the book of John, chapter 1, and verse 14. Pastor asked me to preach this service in, I believe it was while we were in New Zealand back in July, and immediately whenever he asked me, I knew what I was going to preach. And I believe that tonight, this is going to be a very timely word for our church. And uh, I believe that God is going to do something great. Amen? Amen. The book of John, chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, somebody say full, of grace and truth. Somebody say full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, that in him, somebody say the name of Jesus. In Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and he is full of grace and of truth. I think we're just going to have a little bit of throwdown church tonight. Does anybody just want to have an apostolic, tongue-talking, holy-rolling, dancing-shouting, truth-preaching, doctrine-believing, Pentecostal church service tonight? Let's go to God in prayer one more time. God, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done. God, I thank you for the, for the spirit that I feel so, so thick in this house already. God, I'm asking that tonight you would help me to be a help to somebody. God, help me to preach your truth with clarity and with charity. Let the words that I speak not come across mean or with any bitterness or anger, but God, let me preach the truth in love. God, I pray that you would let me extend your grace. Use me tonight as the vehicle to extend your grace and your mercy to these people, God. Though we don't deserve it, you give it so freely, and we're thankful tonight. God, I ask that it would all be done in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Jesus name amen and you can be seated I do quickly want to give honor to my mother and father that have come tonight I love them so so much and you cannot ask for two better parents to have and I'm thankful for them tonight tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost I'm going to be preaching teaching talking about God's DNA look at your neighbor and say God's DNA God's DNA. DNA, or, and I'm going to struggle, I was reading this a thousand times before church started trying to get this word down. So here we go. Deoxyribonucleic, did I I get that right? Awesome. Okay. Acid. DNA is a double helix, just like what is on this beautiful graphic that Brother Gary made me. It is a double helix formed by two base pairs attached to a sugar phosphate backbone. It is a self-replicating material that is present in nearly all living organisms as the main constituent of chromosomes. It is the carrier of genetic information. It is the determining factor regarding fundamental and distinctive characteristics or qualities of someone or something, especially those that are regarded as unchangeable. DNA makes its mark on every single cell in your body. It determines the color of your eyes and hair, the amount of melanin in your skin, your height, your bone structure, the shape of your nose, the size of your ears, whether you have good teeth or bad teeth. It determines the fullness or lack thereof of a person's lips. DNA has a say in the determining factors of every single aspect of the development of a person's body. It is important to note that these strands of DNA are made to be 
perfect in the number of base pairs in each strand. In the instance that a strand of DNA has one too little or one too many bases, it will cause a genetic mutation. And ultimately, that person will suffer from lifelong mental incapacities. They will suffer from bodily illnesses. And they will suffer from degenerative diseases. It is against the nature of the human body to add to or to take away from the structure of DNA. Your body is full of DNA. Somebody say, I'm full of it. Some of y'all really are full of it. Lord have mercy. I know these students do be like that sometimes. Understand with me that in Genesis 1 and 27, the Bible says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. It is without any reproach that I bring to you tonight that just as you and I have DNA, God too has DNA. If we are created in the image of God and at the very core of our creation is this thing that is so significant and so important to the very structure of our being called DNA, it must be a thing that we come to that God too has DNA. So the question that I pose to you tonight, knowing what our DNA is made out of, knowing how it's formed, knowing how it's put together, my question is, what is God's DNA? Let me take you quickly to the book of Matthew chapter 16, a very well-known story. It is a story of whenever Jesus came and posed a question to his disciples. And he asked them, he said, Disciples, whom do men say that I am? And the disciples answered and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or possibly one of the prophets. But then Jesus narrowed it down and said, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the Bible says, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was then that Jesus answered and said unto Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now watch with me. Anyone that has been in the house of God for any uh, significant period of time can look around and find that there are churches that the gates of hell has prevailed against. Amen? But you must take a narrow look at the book of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 when Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church is prefaced by the understanding that the church would and should be built upon the rock of who Jesus was. Amen? So who is he? Who is this man named Jesus Christ? Who was this man that came and healed the sick and opened the blinded eyes and lifted up the lame? Who was this man that spoke so eloquently with truth? Who was this man that forgave sins while he was on earth? Who was this man named Jesus? I've come to proclaim to you today, tonight rather than in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible says, speaking of that man named Jesus Christ, that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. Don't be dismayed. Don't be disturbed. Don't be turned to the left, to the right. Do not be deceived by the lies of the world, of secularism, and of other doctrines, and of the Trinitarian doctrine. You've got to understand that in him dwelleth all, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
properly. In him was God. Jesus was God. That's who he was and that is who he is today. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then that same Word was taken, and flesh and blood was wrapped around the spoken Word of our Creator. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. He became flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We're asking the question tonight, what is God made out of? What are the building blocks of everything that God is? We know that God is love. We know that God is kind. We know that God is caring. We know that God is merciful. We know that God is all of these things. But what's the building blocks of who God is? What makes God God? The Bible says that the word was made flesh. Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father and he was full of two things. Just as you and I are full of those sugar phosphate backbones that carry around the base pairs that run through every cell, that run through every inch of our skin that run through every ounce of the blood that's currently pumping through you and I's body that runs through every hair or lack thereof on the top of our heads Jesus God in flesh was full of two things grace and truth he was full of grace and truth I don't know about you but this water bottle is full of water and it don't have room for nothing else and the Bible's not a lie. So whenever it says he was full of it, he was full of it. There wasn't room for anything else within him. He was full. And in him was the fullness of the Godhead. So to me, that's telling me that God, the building blocks of what and who God is, is grace and truth. It is the sugar phosphate backbone that carries the DNA through the structure of who God is. And everything in between, all the base pairs, that are in between the grace and the truth make up who God is. So understand with me that if the gates of hell do prevail against the church, it is only because the church was not built on God's DNA. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. What is grace and what is truth? I know we say we're thankful for it. I know we say we preach it. This is truth church where we preach truth. And my God, I am thankful for grace. Because without grace, how lost would I be? Amen. Amen. But what, what is it? What is grace? Grace. You've got to understand tonight, we get it mixed up. Grace is not mercy. Mercy is not grace. Grace and mercy are two separate things. Grace is God's courteous goodwill. It is humanity's undeserved favor that God gives us even though we don't deserve it. Grace is that thing that appeareth to all men. Grace is that thing that saves you and me. For Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 through 9 says that for, for by grace ye are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. Understand with me, you can't work hard enough to obtain grace. You can't do enough good things to obtain grace. It is a gift that is freely given by God to each and every one of us. Understand with me that that grace that is a gift from God that we obtain, it is something that is sufficient for you in every single circumstance. It doesn't matter what you're going through in your life. In the good times and in the bad times, I give you grace. In the hard times and in the easy times, I give you grace. In the ups and in the downs, I give you grace. It does. Paul said it like this. He said, there was a thorn given to me in my side. And I asked Jesus three times to take it away. But I was sent a messenger named Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure and lest that pride should rise up in me. He said, and I sought God three times to take it away. And God responded to me and said this, my grace is sufficient for thee. 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said this, and I believe that this should be the cry of every person in truth church. Most gladly, therefore, will I give glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said the grace of Christ is the power of Christ resting upon me. It's grace. It's that thing that we didn't deserve, but we got it anyways. You ever had grace on your kids before? They was being baby kids all day long. Uh-huh. And you still bought them that dessert? Come on now. You said you wasn't going to all that. If you don't be quiet, I ain't going to buy it. If you don't eat your food, you ain't going to. No cake if you don't eat your. And then you still have grace upon them. They ain't took one bite of that food. And you still give them the cake anyway. That's what grace is. That's what God's grace is. Understand with me that just as God has grace, it is a commandment for us too to have grace. If we don't want the gates of hell to prevail against the church that is within us, for we are the body of Christ, the church is not a building, the church is a people. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and 14, to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord. What does following peace with all men mean? That means you've got to give a lot of grace out. A lot of grace out. You can't have peace with someone unless you are gracious to them. It's real hard to have peace with someone that you're constantly mad at and you lack forgiveness for them and you've never made things okay between you. You've got to have grace. And if you don't have grace, you ain't going to see the Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Watch what Hebrews 4 and 16 says. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Oh, there it is. There's the difference between grace of mercy. You are given the gift to approach his throne, to ask him for mercy. That's what grace is. Grace is the gift, the means in which you can approach the throne and obtain the mercy that is for your salvation. He said that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Yeah. Titus 2 and 11, and I'm thankful for this one because, my God, I needed it. Yeah. Titus 2 and 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. It doesn't matter what kind of man or woman you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what denomination you used to be. It doesn't matter how tall or how short you are. It doesn't matter what your past life was. It doesn't matter what you are or who you are. Grace of God hath appeared into all men. One preacher I know likened it to a spider web. You ever walked through a spider web before? Ooh, I literally, last night. Was it last night? It was last night. My porch light wasn't on. Leave your porch lights on, guys. Come on. It's, it's, it's a safety reason. Spider webs end up. And earlier, whenever I walked up on my porch that day, there was no spider web there. But I get home that night, and I'm ready to go to bed. I'm, I'm tired. I walk up two steps on my porch. It just hit me in the face. Spider web all over me. That's what the grace of God is like. It wasn't there yesterday for you, but out of nowhere, it just, it just appeared. You didn't deserve, I didn't deserve to walk through the spider web, but it was just there. You didn't deserve God's grace, but one day you woke up and God's grace appeared into you. That's what God's grace does. That's what it's like. That's what it's for. But watch what it says it does. Grace is not just there to make you feel happy and go lucky and good. This is what the Bible continues to say. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Watch this, verse 12. We don't like this part. We just want the grace and we want to continue on. Grace and salvation. I'm good to go. Don't want nothing else. But it says in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. So grace, it appears to us, and it's the vehicle to salvation, but it brings more than just grace. It brings righteous living. It brings sober living. It brings holiness. It brings truth into your life. That's what grace does. It appears before you and it says, here's some truth that you can add to your life. What is this truth that grace so graciously will present to you? The truth, simple. 
It is the self-expression of God. The self-expression of who God is. Understand with me tonight that regardless of what the world may try to say, and I know they say it a lot, there is one truth. I'm going to say it again for the ones in the back. There is one truth. There's not two truths. There's not my truth. There's not your truth. There's not our friend at school's truth. There's not our buddy at work's truth. There is one truth. Not all roads lead to heaven. Not all vehicles will put you on the road to take you to heaven. There is only one Lord. There is only one faith. There is only one baptism. There is only one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. There is one truth. And you know what the truth is? Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the one that is made of the DNA that bringeth salvation. That grace and that truth, that's me. That's who I am. That's what lives and dwells inside of me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Understand with me that truth is not just truth, but truth is the thing that will make you free. That's what the book of John chapter 8 and 32 says, that ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Understand with me that it doesn't matter what kind of lies friends and what kind of lies acquaintances will try to walk into your life. It doesn't matter what the lie of the world and secularism says to you. You shall know the truth and the truth is going to make you free from every lie of the world, from every lie that will bring sin into your life. You're going to know the truth. And the truth is going to make you free. Romans 3 and 4 says, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what any gospel is preached. God forbid it all. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar as it was written that thou mightest be justified in the saints and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Let God be true. And every man a liar. John 4 and 24 says that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what that tells me? If I'm not living according to the truths of God, my worship isn't the worship that God wants. That's rough stuff, but it's true. You can come up here and dance around and dance about and do all the things that you're doing, but if your life is not full of truth, all you are is a false witness. Whenever you come up here worshiping without truth in your life and without the spirit in your life, you're just dancing to be dancing. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. My God, when I read this, God so quickened me. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables, into falsehoods, into false doctrines. Be not mistaken, truth church. I think sometimes we get a misconception on what false doctrine is. We think that false doctrine is defined by those that preach the Trinity. We think that false doctrine is defined by those that just preach once saved, always saved, and preach that baptism is not essential for salvation, and that speaking in tongues is not a necessity in order to prove that you have the Holy Ghost. But false doctrine is simply this. Anything that is not sound doctrine is false doctrine. Anything that is not written in this black leatherback book is false doctrine. Anything against the commandments of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior is false doctrine. If it ain't sound, it's false. Let's get that in our heads tonight. If it ain't sound, it's false. If it ain't right, it's wrong. There is no in-between. There is nothing. There's not a left or there's not a right. There's a narrow way in anything that is not sound doctrine is false doctrine. The sugar phosphate backbone of the DNA is held together by base pairs. 
all these little blue and green and orange and gray lines in between the sugar phosphate backbone. Those things that, that run in between grace and truth. Those things that, that mesh together and hold together the very core of our beliefs. That's called base pairs. That is those things that are in the word of God that are seemingly insignificant commandments in the Bible. But you start cutting away at those seemingly insignificant commandments that are written in the word of God. And you start taking out a little bit of this. And you start taking out a little bit of that. What will happen is first you're going to start having things go wrong in your body. You're going to start having mental illnesses. You're going to start having bodily, physical damage happen. And then what's going to happen after all the base pairs, all the things that held grace and truth together, after it's all gone, no more structure. No more grace. No more truth. Without the base pairs, it is impossible to hold the DNA together. Why do you think it is that the Bible says, This is my word, which I have given unto you. Do not add to and do not take away from it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. You can't take anything out of the word of God. And while I'm on it, we call ourselves a, a, a oneness church. Amen? We're oneness to the core of our being. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. There is one. But sometimes we struggle. Because we get to the New Testament and we say, well, God in flesh, Jesus Christ didn't preach that in the New Testament. So it must not be an issue. It must not be something that we have to believe in. But if we are truly oneness, the God that preached words and gave commandments in the Old Testament should be the same God to us that preached words or didn't preach the words and gave the commandments or didn't give the commandments in the New Testament. You cannot separate Jesus, God wrapped in flesh, as God Jehovah, who is the Spirit. They are one and the same. And just because he didn't say it in the few books of the New Testament doesn't mean everything he said in the Old Testament is not true. There are commandments in the Old Testament that said that this, this right here, you got to do this because if you don't, it's against me. It's an act against me, God, the one that changeth not. The one that's the same yesterday and today and forever. And if he's the same in the Old Testament, then it goes without saying. That when he robed himself in flesh and came to the New Testament, he's still the same God that gave the commandments in the Old Testament. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 4 and 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they live and lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even of Christ. Understand with me that we cannot be tossed to and fro by every doctrine. When someone comes to you and tells you that this that they're preaching at Truth Church ain't the truth anymore. I don't care how meaningless and, and small and insignificant it may seem to you, it's false doctrine. When someone comes and tells you that you don't have to speak like that anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to appear like that anymore. You don't have to, you don't have to go there all the time anymore. You don't have to walk like that anymore. You don't have to leave behind that stuff anymore. You don't have to separate yourself anymore. That is false doctrine. I don't care if they claim to know that Jesus Christ is one still. It doesn't matter if they claim that the Holy Ghost is essential and baptism is essential. They are false doctrine preachers. For if he that cometh preacheth any other Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive any other spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. They put on a facade, a facade. I misquoted that again. They put on a facade, 
and transform themselves into what seems like apostles of Jesus Christ. But watch what Paul says. Don't marvel. Don't be bewildered. Don't be confused. For Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. I don't care how kind they sound to you. I don't care the niceties that they throw your way. It doesn't matter how they appear to you. If they're preaching false doctrine, they're false apostles. Amen? You can be seated. So now we get to my favorite point. Everybody, somebody look at the other person and say, this is his favorite point. So we know what grace is. It's that unmerited favor, that thing that we don't deserve, but God gives it as a gift anyways. We know what truth is. Truth is simply who God is. Anything outside of that or beyond that or beside that, if God isn't that, it ain't truth. God is truth. Amen? Amen. At some point, though, grace and truth meet. Grace and truth are put together and form this thing that is God's DNA. Understand with me that in the very beginning of the word of God, God's love and his judgments collided with each other. God's grace and God's truth met each other. What are you talking about, Brother Jordan? I'm talking about all those instances in the Old Testament where God would show his people the way, tell them where to go, and they would deny every word that he spoke, and they would work against God, and they would sin, and they would fall, and they would fail, and God's judgment said, I've got to kill them. They are in sin. They've got to die. They've got to go. But God's love said, no, 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 no. There's got to be a way out of this. There's got to be a scapegoat for these people who are not perfect people. So at some point in, in time and eternity, God's grace and God's truth, God's love and God's judgments met and they collided with each other and mercy was formed. Understand with me that the combination of God's grace and God's truth, his truth may seem harsh, but his grace is so forgiving. His truth may seem hard, but his grace is so full of love. When they collide, they, they get this thing called Mercy. Mercy. My God, I love mercy. Grace and truth are the recipe of mercy. You cannot have mercy without both of the ingredients. Without truth, there would be no falsehoods. And therefore, there will be no sin. There would be no right and no wrong, causing there to be nothing to provide forgiveness for. Without grace, there is no courteous goodwill. And mercy could only be earned through works, which no one could work hard enough to obtain mercy. In order to have mercy, one must have both grace and they must have truth working in their lives. Hear me tonight. That is why it is impossible for those that have committed blasphemy to inherit salvation. Because anyone that has committed blasphemy of the Holy Ghost has walked away from truth. Therefore, pulling truth out of the ingredients needed for mercy. And you're only left with grace. So whenever you deny the things of God, and you deny who God is, and you commit blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, the Bible said that there remaineth no more sacrifice for your sins. There remaineth no way of remission because you have, poured, you have pulled one of the necessary ingredients out of the, out of the cake that makes mercy. It's like, it's like trying to make bread without yeast. You want it to, you're, you stick that thing in there, you want it to look beautiful, rose up, looks great, looks amazing, and you pull it out, and guess what? You got a tortilla. You ain't got bread. You missed one of the most necessary ingredients in order to form and fashion and make that bread. And when you pull truth, completely separate yourself from the truth of God, you void the mercy of God in your life because grace must have truth and truth must have grace in order to work together in harmony and produce this great thing called mercy. 
Listen to what Paul writes in his second letter to the church at Thessalonica. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders uh, wonders, and with deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not a love for the truth that they might be saved. Young people, We've got to have a love for the truth. Parents, adults, singles, elders, we've got to fall in love with the truth. Because when you take the truth out for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. And they shall believe a lie. Jesus. That they all might be damned to believe not the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. They have forsook the necessary ingredients in order to inherit mercy. Without truth working in your life, it is impossible to receive mercy. You must have both for one without the other. Is powerless. Jesus. Somebody give God praise for that word from him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the confirmation. Colossians 3 and 17, the Bible says, And whatsoever ye do, in word or in deed, do ye all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What that is saying is whatever you do in your life, whether it's word that you speak or places that you go or deeds that you do or what you put on, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what it is. You've got to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. But what it's really saying is everything you do in the words that you speak and in your actions, do it all with grace and with truth. 
It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter who you talk to. It doesn't matter what you do in your life. So long as you do it and you're full of God's DNA, you're full of that grace and that truth, I think you're going to be all right. So long as you're full of everything that God is, we're going to be okay. Whatever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Understand with me that whenever you get rid of grace and you get rid of truth in your life, you are more like Satan than any other person on this planet. When you lack grace and truth, you are just like Satan. For the Bible says in John 8 and 44 that he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Understand with me that Satan, he refused grace to anyone. And therefore he was called a murderer. Satan had no truth in him and is the father of all lies. You are never more like Satan than when you refuse to give grace and you are void of the truth in your life. The first thing, the very first thing that a person will do when they walk away from God is forsake truths that they have always believed and become bitter and refuse grace to anyone who they deem to have wronged them. The first thing that they do is they say, I don't believe that anymore. That's not the truth anymore. I don't walk in that way anymore. And while I'm at it, you're not getting grace, you're not getting grace, you're not getting grace because you hurt me. That's the first thing they do. They void themselves of truth and they rid themselves of grace. No forgiveness, no mercy, no beliefs, no, no, nothing that they can stand on that's a firm foundation. But understand with me that after you have voided yourself of grace and of truth and mercy forsakes you, the devil will immediately send pride in its place. Oh, come on now. When truth and, when truth and grace leave, the devil always has some kind of something to replace the things of God in your life. He always sends something to replace the godly things that used to be in his. And, and, and here's what he sends. He sends pride. That's why even in the moments that God being a merciful God he is. Whenever he still tries to send grace to you. And tries to allow a preacher to preach truth to you. In an instant you will say. Oh no. I'm right. They're wrong. I know they're preaching the Bible. But I'm right. They're wrong. And no, 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 no. I don't have to forgive them. They got to come to me. I don't have to. It's pride. It's a haughty spirit that rises up in you. Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. So what happens is, is you rid yourself of grace and you void yourself of truth and the devil sends pride and the devil sends a haughty spirit and he sends all of these things to you and then James 4 and 6 becomes evident in your life. But he giveth more grace. Yes, Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. Grace is gone. Truth is gone. And now pride is in your life. And because of that, no mercy is in your life. And God resisteth you. Because grace and truth are gone. Grace and truth have left. God's DNA is no longer with you. And God resisteth the proud. But thank God tonight. I said thank God my Savior, Lord, and Jesus Christ tonight. That I have the opportunity. That even whenever I'm in sin. And the lowest of low times in my life. That I can come back to him. And his mercy is new every single month. It's because of that. That we are not consumed. For his compassions fail us not. They are new every single day. Because of the mercy created from the meeting of grace. We are able to have a spiritual blood transfusion when we repent, are baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I no longer have 
the DNA of Randall Jordan Davis running through my body. I know, some of y'all didn't know. I threw you there whenever I said Randall. Some of y'all didn't know that. I blame that wholly and completely on them two sitting over there. I do not claim it nor abide by that name. But I no longer have the DNA of Randall Jordan Davis running through my life. No. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. And all things are come new. I follow through with what Romans 12 and 2 says. I'm not conformed to this world, but I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind that I can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I follow through with Ephesians chapter 4. I put off concerning the former conversations of the old man, which was corrupt and led me to deceitful lust. But I've been renewed. I said I've been renewed. I said I've been renewed. Everything that's within me has something new in it. I've got I've got a new name. I've got I've got new blood flowing through my veins. I've been transfused, and now God's DNA has intricately aligned with my DNA and grace and grace and truth have met in my life, and God provided mercy in my life. I love 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are made new. They've come new. I got a song stuck in my head that my sweet mom used to sing all the time. Thank God I'm not, not what not what I used to be. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful tonight that I'm not who I used to be. But there's been a blood transfusion, and I got some new DNA written into my life. If we could all stand, I am coming to a close. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 through 14. I love this right here. My goodness, I love this right here. I was praying one day and I said, God, why does everybody believe the lie of the Trinity? And God led me straight to Colossians 2 and 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But it doesn't stop there. In him dwelleth all the fullness. In him dwelleth grace and truth. It don't stop there though. It gives a little bit for us too. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. (coughs) In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, putting away the old man, taking away the old DNA, and the circumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened you together with him. He's made your DNA and his DNA one. And now grace and truth is living in you and he's forgiven you of all your trespasses and this is my favorite one blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way everything that would try to pull us out from him he took it out of the way and he nailed it to the cross in that blood that was full of grace and truth when the thorns were placed on his head and the nails were placed on the head and on the feet and the stripes were put on his back and finally the spear was thrust into his side coming out of it was that blood that was full of grace and it was full of truth And because the DNA of God was flowing out of him 
And it was combined together with everything that God was. Mercy was unleashed throughout all humanity. And now you and I can put on God. We can put on God's DNA. We don't have to stay in our own man. We don't have to stay with who we used to be. We don't have to be what we used to be. But we can have a blood transfusion right now in this service. We can have a spiritual transformation that will change the very core of our DNA. It used to be in my DNA to drink. It used to be to smoke, to do promiscuous things. But now, grace and truth are working in my life. I think it would be right right now to go to God and praise and worship that we still have the opportunity to have God's DNA working in your life and in my life. We still have the ability to have God's DNA flowing through us. We don't have to stay what we were. But thank God. I said thank God that I have the ability that... Anyone in this service tonight, you ain't been sent a strong delusion or you wouldn't be here. I'm thankful that truth is still a part of my life. That I'm still holding on to the thing that will get me to that throne of grace and eventually inherit salvation and mercy. Why don't we... Oh, come on. I think we can do better than that. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, I feel the spirit, but let's put some truth behind it. That's it. That's God's DNA you're filling in here. That's grace mingling with truth you're filling in here. That's the mercy of God you're filling in here. Come on, Truth Church, join with me. I thank God that I'm not, not what I used to be. I thank God that I don't go, go to the places I used to go. I thank God that I don't do, do the things that I used to do. I thank God that I've been bought with the price. I thank God, I thank God that he nailed every sin that I committed against the cross. And he split. I thank God that I'm allowed access to that throne of grace. And through that throne of grace, I can obtain mercy. I thank God that I know the truth. And the truth has made me free. And I'm not going to be back up. I won't be persuaded by the lies of false doctrine. I will know the truth. It's God's DNA. I said it's God's DNA. I said it's God's DNA. Look at your neighbor and say grace and truth. Grace and truth. God's DNA. I just feel a spirit of rejoice. I would to God that someone would just break off in a dance right now. 
just for the next 30 seconds. Why don't you praise God for some grace and some truth in your life? trying to prolong anything and if, if you're ready to go you can go but I think we, we can give him a little bit more praise and worship than that I'm thankful that I don't believe a lie I'm thankful that I don't believe a damnable doctrine I'm thankful that I don't believe something that is secular something that is paganistic I'm thankful tonight that I'm separated from the world I'm thankful tonight that I you can see the difference that God made in me when they see me they see him I'm thankful thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that the anchor holds tonight. The anchor holds. The anchor holds. Sister Gilbert, Bishop, you ain't got to worry about this, old boy. The anchor holds. Sister Joe Manning, you ain't got to worry about me and my wife. The anchor holds. Sister Dumas, you ain't got to worry. The anchor. The anchor. Mommy and Daddy, you ain't got to worry about TSM. The anchor still holds. and be encouraged. We're going to stand on that rock of who Jesus is. The gates of hell are going to prevail against truth, church. We're standing on grace. We're standing on truth and the anchor. I'm not building my house on a sandy foundation. I'm not building my house on some dirt or some mud, but I'm building it on that rock. I'm building it on that chief cornerstone. I'm building it on Jesus Christ. I think we ought to sing that. Mama Gilbert, can you sing The Anchor Holds for us real quick? Yes, ma'am. You ain't got to play. You can sing it from right there. Ah, right, Mama Davis. Do you remember this one, The Anchor Holds? We can just sing the chorus. The Anchor Holds. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. In spite of the storm. 
spite of the storm. Is anybody thankful for that anchor that holds? God, we thank you tonight for the anchor. We thank you tonight for the anchor. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.